Hello, and welcome back to the Connect You podcast, where we talk about health, life, and feelings to help connect to a better you. This week, we're going to talk about being courageous. Yeah, and some different times that each of us have had to be courageous, what it can take to have that courage, how you feel after being courageous, and how you can be more courageous in your day-to-day life. Things you can do, thought processes you can follow to get a little bit more done and feel a little more brave. Are there any times in your life, Ty, that you have had to be courageous? What led up to those moments? What was your thought process going into those moments? And did it take time for you to actually take that chance? Or did you just think about it, do it? and ready to go. One big one for me that comes to mind is when I bought my business. I had previously worked at my business before I owned it and then was given the opportunity to buy the previous owner out. And that was something that took a lot of courage. I've definitely went through other situations that scared me, proposing to my wife, becoming a parent, But buying a business was a big one because it's not just one moment of being brave and then getting through it. It's something that requires courage on a daily and monthly basis. When you're the only one in charge of whether or not you get paid, that can be a lot of pressure and something that can really overwhelm you. Over the last seven years that I've been doing that, there's definitely been months where I'm not sure if I'm taking a paycheck that month, but you still have to go into work every day, be brave, be courageous, fight extra hard every day so that you generate that income so that you can get paid not just this month but the next one and next year. That was a big one for me for being courageous. It was a lot of work and a lot of thought. Probably not as much thought as there should have been at the beginning and I didn't really think I was being that courageous and then later I really realized what the implications were of being solely in charge of my own destiny. What were some discussions that you had with either mentors that you had, business owners that you knew, your wife, your parents, anybody basically in your life in regards to the business that maybe helped make that decision and know that it was the right move to make. A big one I always like to go back to is what's the worst that can happen? I think that for a lot of situations kind of big and small, the answer to that is never as bad as your brain can make you think. If you sit down and write down the the absolute worst thing that can happen if you fail at your goal or trying to achieve what you're trying to achieve, it's generally not that bad. That's maybe not super beneficial advice for big things like buying a business or jumping out of an airplane, but with little everyday decisions, it's hugely helpful. Generally speaking, the worst that can happen is not that bad at all. Well, and really thinking about those the risk that you're about to take and thinking about what the benefits are. So I think a lot of times what can happen is we as humans and as people can get stuck at the risks and really plot out all the bad things that can occur without actually taking the time to really focus on how many benefits there could be. Because when it comes down to it, if something's going to make you happy, to me, that's a pretty big benefit to be courageous and take that risk. If your outcome is going to be happiness, I think you owe it to yourself to push forward with whatever that is and taking that risk. There's not many things in life where you feel like you found your purpose and you found exactly what you need to be doing or where you have to be that'll make you happy. So if that's what you're finding by taking that risk, I think it outweighs those risks. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that was definitely something I thought before buying my business. The risk was that worst case, if I failed, I just had to go get a job, maybe doing what I was doing before. I had a pretty good resume. I was pretty employable. So worst case, I go and find a job and go work for the man again. But the benefit was that I get to be my own boss. I get some creative freedom. I get to be in charge of my own destiny, which is a risk and a benefit, but it is definitely work out fairly well for me, I would say. And I know that you and I had the same conversation when you became suddenly unemployed and decided to pursue Connect to You full time. We talked about those risk benefits and realistically it came down to you can try this and if you fail, the worst thing that could happen is you have to go back and work in another bank, which isn't that bad. The worst thing that could happen is that I have to go back to work, but that's not even the worst thing. It's not bad at all, actually. I could still work on my business even if I have to do that. Yeah. So I can work a full-time job or a part-time job, whatever I have to, to pay the bills, but I'm still able to pursue this passion that I have on the side. I've already done that before. I know I can do it. It takes work, a lot more work, but I know I will be able to do it. And I have more advantages because I have a good template and a lot of ground that I've made up because I've done this 100% full time, already have my business pretty well in place so that I don't have to spend another eight hours after my full-time job just to make sure that I have everything done. So in your situation, you lost a job at a bank, you can pursue Connect to You, give it everything you have. If it doesn't go well enough to become your full-time job, you go back to work at a bank, which is exactly where you would have been had you not lost your job anyway. Yeah. It's always good to weigh out those risks and benefits. Ask yourself, what's the worst that can happen? Generally speaking, if it doesn't end in death, it's not that bad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What are some risks that you've taken that have paid off? Or or some risks that you've taken that haven't paid off? My risks are more in regards to relationships with people. Okay. So taking a risk in regards to a conversation that I've been worried about having with somebody. So I wrote an article about this one. What happened was I had been holding off for probably two months on a conversation that I needed to have with somebody that I was in a romantic relationship with. I could tell that they were feeling the same thing, that there had to be a conversation that needed to happen between the two of us, and we just didn't have it. It was funny because I was losing sleep over this mood-wise and even the way my body felt. So after playing volleyball, my knees started hurting a lot to a point where I couldn't play anymore. I didn't think about this before, but later on I had watched YouTube video or listened to a podcast or something where it talked about the mind-body connection and how these kind of things, so a conversation that stresses you out, can lead to problems that you have with your body. So it's just your mind telling you physically that you need to do something. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I have no idea if that's actually what happens. I just like to believe that it was that way. Hey, if it works, it works. Yeah. So this conversation probably should have happened two months beforehand, but 
I had that conversation when I did. I felt it was the right time at that point. And I felt that me and the other person were at that point and comfortable enough that we could talk about the relationship where it was past relationships that I've had and feelings that I've had taking from those. After having that conversation, it was in my mind, it played out worst case scenario where there was water splash in my face, punches thrown, my brain ran some pretty bad scenarios, none of which were death scenarios, but to me bad enough that I didn't want to have that conversation at that time. What actually ended up happening was I learned a lot about what I needed to do in future relationships and her and I are still We still talk every so often. There was no bad blood, nothing like that. It worked out in a positive way. All it took was me being courageous and actually having that conversation. A few days later, my knees actually felt perfectly fine. That's a great example of a conversation that you had to be courageous and go through that. It ended up much better than you thought it would be. The benefit was that you felt like you had gotten a weight off your chest and and your body actually responded in a positive way. What was going through your mind that prevented you from having that conversation sooner? Just the thoughts that would come up about their reaction to that conversation. Even the feelings that I would have, am I ready to have this conversation knowing that there'll be a chance this person and I will no longer be together anymore? Right. The thought of that also stopped me from having the conversation. Thinking back, that's something that I learned is whether or not that comes up, I have to be prepared or anybody has to be prepared for whatever those consequences come up. And sometimes you just have to go for it, knowing what those consequences are and accepting them, whatever happens. A lot of the time where you need to be courageous and and have that risk benefit and ask yourself what's the worst that can happen is in instances of human interaction. I know that on the daily basis when I'm in my retail job, it's amazing how much worrying about what other people can think of you prevents you from talking to them or saying what you're thinking or approaching people. It's amazing how much effect that can have on someone. Do you have any instances where you overcame that negative feeling of what might happen in an interaction and it turned out a lot better than you expected. A lot of times my interactions that I have, we talked about this previously about the pregame thoughts that I used to have. Right. And that would be what would stop me from being courageous and actually going out and interacting with people. Now that I don't do that, I don't fear being judged as much in regards to human interaction and how people perceive me. There's always the post game where I have thoughts about, oh, I wonder how this person felt or thought. And I try to think back about their reactions to things. And that plays on in my head, but it doesn't affect me in real time ever. Now, how about when you're going to publish an article, for example, on your site? That's something that you put a huge amount of personal feeling and emotion and vulnerability into. Do you ever have to overcome that fear with a a strong bout of bravery and courage just to hit that publish button? In the beginning, I definitely did. All it is with that was there wasn't any reps, so I had no feedback because I hadn't posted anything in regards to articles. 
once I started actually getting feedback after that from friends, family, and just people who are outside of my social circles, I stopped having that feeling of being judged and clicking publish is actually pretty easy for me now. But those first three, four articles, it took a lot for me to push that publish button. I usually would have them ready by Thursday and I'd still, Sunday would come and I'm barely pushing that button. I was worried that I didn't know enough of that topic that I was talking about to be able to actually speak about it from my perspective in a way that others would get something out of it. Right. Because I always want to make sure that I'm adding value, whether it's writing an article, an Instagram post, doing a podcast. I always want to make sure there's value being added to somebody out there. Yeah, so that's a great example of sitting down, asking yourself, what's the worst that can happen? I don't know what the worst that can happen in that situation is. Maybe someone comments on it that like, oh, so-and-so did this a lot better. Here's a link to it. Or somebody might say that's the worst article they've ever read. Sure. It's the internet, so you get that sort of thing. But realistically, none of that happened. You got positive feedback. That was a, an example of a time where you were courageous, you hit that publish, and that risk paid off for you. And I have had an Instagram where there were negative comments on there. Comments that everybody can have their opinion in regards to things. And I welcome feedback, whether that's criticism on something or positive feedback, whatever the case is. But once you start using like certain words and you are actually just trying to hurt, as much as you have the right to post something, I have the right to actually delete that. Yeah, absolutely. That's where the, uh, the hide post button comes really in handy. Yeah. So talk a little bit about being stuck in your own head. I honestly don't give myself enough time to get stuck in my head. So I used to have that problem where I would overthink everything. If that's in a conversation or that's making a decision or building my business, there was always something that was going on in my head. So what I started doing was not giving myself enough time to think things or overthink things. So make a decision as quick as possible or answer that invite as quick as possible, publish that article as fast as possible. So once it's done, do a proofread, make sure that there's no spelling errors. Once that's done, publish. And once it's there, it's there. And I can always make changes after if I need to. And in regards to conversations, things like that, if I overthink things, a lot of times I'll just sit there silent and the moment's over. That's because I'm so far in my own head and I'm not actually listening to that other person talking. And that's something that I feel is super important because I want to make sure that people are listening to what I'm having to say. But if I'm wanting that, I have to give that person the same respect and that value of not being in my own head, listening to everything that they say, and then coming up with a response but not waiting three to five minutes before that happens. Yeah, exactly. It's really tough to be present for a conversation when you're getting lost in your own brain, worrying about what you said three or four interactions ago. I guess that's another good example, too, of your brain getting away from you with what's the worst that can happen. You know, sometimes our imaginations are a, uh, a double-edged sword and can really come up with some fantastical situations that are realistically never going to happen, but you're definitely thinking of the worst possible scenario. Yeah, it makes sense that that's happening like that because our mind wants to keep us as safe as possible, whether that's from physical harm, emotional harm, 
mental being judged is a big thing. So in a conversation or an interaction that you're having, your thoughts of what the worst can happen usually jumps to that biggest worst thing that could ever happen to anybody. And the reason behind that is to keep us safe. But I find to get around that as quick as possible. Gotcha. Some cautious spontaneity. Do you have any examples of risks that didn't pay off for you or things that went worse than you had foreseen or ended up badly? No. Yeah. And that's how good is that? Hey, (laughs) and I don't take huge risks. You don't see me jumping out of planes, things like that. Like I'd like to, but super scared of heights. So that's probably not going to happen. All of the risks that I have taken, I don't actually see them as not paying off or not going the way that they should have. Because my thought process is take that risk, whatever happens, that happens. If I'm learning from it, though, that's the important thing to take from that is who am I going to be after that happens? Because you can almost fall into that. Like You take a risk, something bad happens. Maybe you don't take another risk the same way in something else that you're doing because of that experience. Even though if you tweaked something because you learned about it before, that risk, that next risk that you take could have been something massive for you and super positive in your life. Right. So there's that fine line between being gun shy of something that didn't work out in the past and also using previous failures or previous mismanaged risks to learn for the next time and do better. Yeah. And as long as you're doing stuff that's safe and taking risks that are going to add value in your life, I don't think you can go wrong with that. As long as you're learning from whatever happens in those experiences. How do you feel after one of those instances where you've been courageous? What does it feel like after you've braved a situation that was challenging for you? as you mentioned before, it's uh, a weight off your shoulders. So something feels like it's sitting there for a while and that weight is just lifted after that. You can't help but feel lighter in your whole body. You can't help but maybe not smile, but you feel happier at that moment when that happens. And yeah, to me, that's the feeling that I have after I've been courageous. Awesome. Yeah, it's such a good feeling, especially when things go your way or even if the outcome is not as bad as you expected. It's always better than usually what's going on in your brain. Talk a little bit about the courage that is required to go against popular opinion. I think it's uh, the same thing. To go against popular opinion, sometimes you're going against the opinion of your peers and sometimes you're going against the opinion of your family and... Sometimes it's just the opinion of your neighbors or just people around you or your coworkers. That can be one of the hardest things to do because those people are in your social circle. Those people are your, at the end of the day, those people are your tribe, right? right? So having those people judge you is one of the scariest things that can happen. To go against popular opinion, I feel if you are going to do that, Base it off of the values that you have in your life. So I have a values list of 10 things. And these 10 things are just the things that are most important to me. So the top ones being family and friends. The next one being connecting. For me, I base my decisions off of those things. Going against popular opinion, for me, 
I work for myself now, so I can't go against my own popular opinion. But I remember when I was working at the bank, there would be some times where I, as a leader, would have to make a decision that might not be exactly what either my boss was thinking, or a team member was thinking, or even what the organization was thinking. And you have to make sure when you do that, you have your reasons behind it. Those reasons for me, especially, were based off the values that I had going into the interactions. And I always thought about what would be the best for team members, what would be the best for customers, what would be the best for myself, what would be best for the organization, and making sure that I wasn't angry in my response, I wasn't attacking anybody, there was no attack, there was no defend in the conversations. It was, this is what I think, here's my opinion on this. And yes, I understand that it's not the same as what this opinion is. These are my reasons behind it. This is what I think will be the benefit of doing it this way. That's a great point. Definitely one of the best things about working for yourself is that you get to follow your own mindset or your own set of values and not have to worry about compromising yourself. Because sometimes it can be unfortunately easy to compromise your values and just follow that popular opinion, go along with the status quo. But when you're in a situation where you only have yourself to answer to, it makes it a lot easier to be true to yourself and and follow things properly. What are your thoughts on going against popular opinion? Like, are there any instances that you've had? You don't have to speak specifically of them, but what are things that you utilize in those situations? So whether it's a values list or you have discussions with people who you trust, what are things that you do if you're going against popular opinion? Like, how do you approach that? Yeah, I don't have a values list written down and pointed out, but I do definitely have things that I value and what I think of as right and wrong. And I always try and follow that as opposed to just what's popular or what is going on with my peers. That's one place where it really helps to just put myself in my daughter's shoes and think, how do I want the world to be ideally for her? That definitely helps get my brain in the right spot, making it a little bit easier to be, I think, a better person or to be more true to myself instead of just following what everyone else is doing. So we recently had an election here, and that's one time where I really notice on social media, it really tends to bring out the worst in people. And whether people are going against popular opinion or going for popular opinion, it's really easy to do it with the anonymity of online without being brave or courageous at all. And so it's really in your personal interactions where you can exercise that bravery to go against popular opinion and be courageous and and make positive change. Because online, where everyone's hiding behind real or fake usernames and accounts, it doesn't have the same impact as it does when you're doing things on a day-to-day basis with people you know and people that whose opinions matter to you and whose relationships matter to you, that's where it's the most effective to be following what you're true to and what your values are, whether or not that's in line with popular opinion. And when you asked your wife to marry you, did you do it behind a computer or did you do it face-to-face? Yeah, no, just quick text. No. <laughs> um, yeah, that was exactly, that's a, a really big moment of courageousness and it has to be pretty much in person 
and face-to-face. So, yeah. And then when you interact with your daughter, same thing. Absolutely. You can't text. Well, you could. No. She had a phone or whatever. Human interaction, right? And you have to be courageous because she might ask you a question and throw something that you're not ready for, but you need to answer on the spot. So you have to be ready to do that. Yeah, I can't just take time to think up my response and edit it. And <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Talking in regards to online and things like that, and the difference between being courageous when you're in person, face-to-face, I feel it takes a strong back, soft front, and wild heart. So I actually read about that in a book by Brene Brown called Braving the Wilderness. So I'm actually going to read a section. So this was a passage written by Dr. Joan Halifax. It goes, All too often our so-called strength comes from fear, not love. Instead of having a strong back, many of us have a defended front shielding a weak spine. In other words, we walk around brittle and defensive, trying to conceal our lack of confidence. If we strengthen our backs, metaphorically speaking, and develop a spine that's flexible but sturdy, then we can risk having a front that's soft and open. How can we give and accept care with strong-backed, soft front compassion, moving past fear into a place of genuine tenderness? I believe it comes about when we can be truly transparent, seeing the world clearly, and letting the world see into us. Man, that's a great quote. It really goes in line with kind of what we've always been told, that that bully is just being mean because he has low self-confidence. And yeah, it makes a lot more sense to uh, to come from a place of love than a place of fear. Yeah, and it's what I really like about it. It doesn't mean that you stand firm and you're never bending. What it means is that you're strong enough in your beliefs and strong enough that you will bend if something, if somebody tells you something that maybe goes against what you previously thought or previously knew, but you think about it and the way that they approached it and the way that they explained it to you just makes sense and you can apply it to your current life or your current values. And having that soft front, being vulnerable enough to allow people to see into you is huge. Yeah, and I've definitely encountered some people that you know, maybe have an excellent set of values and their heart's really in the right place, but so inflexible that they tend to really put off the people whose minds they're trying to change. That can be really tough because they are where they need to be and they believe what everyone should believe and they live the life that maybe we should all be living, but they come across so hard and so rigid that it's really tough to get anyone on their side and to win over any favor, which can be really tough where that quote really kind of sums it up and saying that it, instead of coming from a place of fear, if you come from a place of you know, openness and be a little bit more vulnerable yourself, it's a lot easier to have some connection. Yeah, yeah. Because I think at the end of the day, at least with me, my best connections are with people that I truly can say that I love and appreciate and that I can be vulnerable with. Not only that, but they're vulnerable with me. Right. And you can feel when somebody is being that way with you and just being genuine and vulnerable and very open and loving. And you can tell when somebody's not being that way. Yeah, it's really tough to make a connection with someone who's being very closed off. And it's, it's a feeling that you get inside, I think, just as much as it's the words that they're saying and how they're standing and things like that. 
Another passage in regards to the Wild Heart. Brene Brown writes, I wish there was a secret handshake for the Wild Heart Club. I love that kind of stuff. I want the payoff for braving the wilderness to be some kind of ritual or symbol that says, I'm part of this Wild Heart Club. I know what it means to stand alone and brave the criticism, fear, and hurt. I know the freedom of belonging everywhere and nowhere at all. The reward is great, but believe me, when Maya Angelou said the price is high, she was not kidding. I have made this quest, and I have the scars to prove it. Yeah, that's another really good one. And in regards to a wild heart, I think you need a strong back, and you need a soft front. So you need to stand your ground, and you need to be vulnerable and open to not only take in everything, but also express your own opinion which is where the wild heart comes from. That's your opinion of what you see is happening and going against popular opinion sometimes to do that. And sometimes when you do that, it can be a lonely place. Right, yeah, yeah, for sure. Which is why the book's called Braving the Wilderness because standing by yourself in a field of other people who have their certain opinions and if your values say something else and you stick to your guns on that for very, very good reasons, you're doing that strong back, soft front, wild heart very well. It can just be so easy to kind of go along with the, the pack or the herd and not put yourself in a vulnerable situation. And so I see why those kind of all go together so well, make a, a good, well-rounded persona to have. And being vulnerable is courageous in itself. Oh, for sure. I've been with my wife 12 years, and even sometimes it, it's still really hard to ask for help, whether it's something big or something small, just you tend to want to go it alone and, and do your own thing and, and muscle up and tough through it. And it's always a lot easier when you ask for help. And that's that same kind of feeling like you were talking about before. You, you feel a weight roll off you when you just open up to someone and be vulnerable and, and let them in. And do you ever find in those situations, maybe in, with your wife, where you need to ask for help and maybe you didn't ask for help? When you do ask for help, do you feel that maybe she already knew? that this conversation was kind of coming up and she was just waiting for you to say something? Yeah, I think so. Even even just a couple weekends ago, we were we were doing something and I was just I was feeling really stressed. I we had a a bunch of things going on that weekend and a lot of plans and I was running around and I was just like a little bit late for work and had all these other sort of minor inconveniences piling up. Nothing was major. It was just a bunch of little stuff and I was really stressing about it and I actually took a moment to talk to her and tell her that, hey, like, I'm just, I'm stressed. Here's like five things that are stressing me out just to let her know. And I mean, of course it would have been obvious to her that I was stressed out, but it makes such a difference to stop, talk to someone, let them know just so they can remove all that worry that maybe it's something they're doing. It was, here. here's these five stupid little things that are stressing me out. Maybe I don't even need help with any of them. Just know what I'm worrying about. Know that it's not you that's causing me any of this stress or I'm not feeling frustrated with you. It's it's a me thing right now. And yeah, I, th I think it's really important to have that vulnerability and, and let someone know because otherwise you're wasting half of a partnership, right? If you don't have someone that you can bear your soul to and lean on, you're wasting a really great part of being in a relationship. Yeah, and I think that also applies in regards to a friendship that you have and a lot of different relationships because there's romantic relationships, there's friend relationships, there's family relationships. For me, there's a therapist relationship, right? Yeah. And 
being able to be vulnerable enough to have those conversations to somebody who will listen to everything you have to say and then ask sometimes, and that's how you've been feeling, what can I do to help in this situation? And sometimes that's there's nothing that they can do, and that's fine. The fact that they just listened to what your worries were yeah. can be enough to just release that weight. And it's especially good when they realize how much courage it took to have that conversation. And then when that person also has a conversation with you in regards to things that are stressing them out or moments when they needed to find something to be courageous and they sometimes need to gather that courageousness from somebody else. So maybe for you, you need to gather courageousness from your wife from these conversations so that she might just say that one thing that's just like, yes, okay, I got this. Right, yeah. And she tells you, yes, you do have this. And for me, my therapist, when I talked about the podcast, he was the first one that, maybe not the first person, but he was somebody who said, this is going to be amazing. I can't wait to listen to this. And just hearing somebody say that to me helped just do this and put it out there, right? I definitely was in my head in regards to these recordings and even knowing what to do and things like that. And having somebody here who helps me out with it took courage to ask you in regards to it. Right, right. So having somebody there that can help you break that barrier and maybe you can borrow a little courage from that person and the words that they say to do whatever you need. Yeah, you know, and that's another one of those things like we had talked about before where it's a human interaction that you have to be brave for and where you can really see some benefit and feel that interaction. We talked quick about doing that risk benefit. When you asked me to do the podcast, what's the worst that could happen? I say no, and you're like, okay. That's a pretty easy, it's not like I'm going to come burn your house down probably. So, but you know, the, the risk benefit to that is on the risk side, worst thing that can happen. I say, no, I don't show up, whatever. On the benefit side, you get someone that you can be a little bit vulnerable with and borrow some strength from and have a partner to help you through something. So it's always good. And like you said, that's probably a good time not to get stuck in your own head, just Ask me straight away, quick as you can, as soon as you think about it. Be carefully spontaneous. And yeah, one, one of those things too, like you said, strong back, soft front, wild heart. You were vulnerable with your soft front and had your idea and were going ahead and doing something that is maybe a little bit against popular opinion. Most people don't sit around and do a podcast. It's super easy just to sit there and listen to a podcast. It takes a little bit of courage and a little bit of bravery to go out and, and make something on your own. Yeah. Great recap. So with that, that is the end of episode four of the Connect You podcast. So thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Awesome. Thank you.